0: I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre-Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. All the Light We Cannot See, Part 3 The Inimitable Light of the World When contemplating the origins of the world, Even secular filmmakers and TV screenwriters begin with images of light in their artistic creations, because the only thing we can imagine that precedes the existence of something is the absence of everything. And in the absence of everything, the most integral missing piece would indeed be the illumination of everything. Of course, we will never fully be able to grasp and understand the eternal presence of God in our natural minds the site of eternity, but there are fundamental truths connected to the divine mystery and origins of God that add richness and dimension to our understanding of the character of God and are truly worth exploring. One thing John reveals to us about God and His light is that they are not only inseparable in His being, but also in our experience of Him. In First John 1.5, he says, God is light, in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with Him and one another. We probably know and understand that our God of perfection has no element of darkness in Him. But to what extent are we really aware that if we continually walk in darkness engaging in activities or lifestyles not pleasing to God, we cannot enjoy genuine fellowship with the very epitome of light, namely God Himself. It's one thing to stumble and repent, and quite another to bask in the darkness and deceive ourselves that we are walking with God in the light. So our understanding of God as light also overlaps into the manner and depth in which we experience communion with Him. We also know that God's light and all the truths it encompasses, illuminates the dark deeds that run counter to His nature, will, and ways. In John 3.20, we are reminded that everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So we live well when basking in the light of God Himself. Perhaps the best way to understand the true nature of light is to examine how sin diminished the light of God. God ultimately made a plan to redeem and restore the perpetrators of darkness and usher them into His marvelous light. The fall of Adam and Eve brought sin and darkness into God's perfect Eden, but God, in His infinite mercy, made a path to redemption for His people, who were lost in the darkness of the sin. Jesus came to illuminate wrongdoing and declared Himself the light of the world, and that's in John 8.12. Restoring light to darkness when it comes to redemption involves far more than simply shedding some light on some problems. I love how Amy Joseph expounds on something author John Piper stated recently, namely, the light of Christ is the brightness of God shining on the retina of the human soul. Joseph goes on to say that while life can be wonderful on earth, it cannot be fully complete without Jesus. We are all created to crave the Creator, our Father, and only through a relationship with our Savior, Jesus, can the dark parts of our hearts be restored to the brightness God intended. This singular aspect of the divine character of the light of the world is probably the most significant for those in close relationship with Him. Jesus reminds us that whoever follows Him will never walk in darkness, but instead will have the light of light. And that's from John 8.12. What greater understanding to the meaning and beauty of life could we ever find than the one Jesus promises if we bask in the light of life that only He can bring? Finally, because light promotes growth, so does life in the light prompt us to evolve and to blossom. As I contemplate this crucial growth trajectory, it prompts an attitude of thanksgiving in my heart. What a blessing it is that God sent His Son— to rescue and redeem such darkness. In the praise song, Here I Am to Worship, written by Tim Hughes, we sing, Light of the world, you step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see. Jesus left the light to come to us, to help us see our brokenness, and deliver us from the sin that blinded us. Join me in thanking the light of the world for the greatest gift we have or will ever receive. And I'd like now to read an excerpt from my last book, The Vault Door, in my devotion trilogy, and this is entitled, Contemplating the awe of God, Multiplying Bread and Fish. The miracle of Jesus, multiplying the five loaves and two fish, offers a wealth of valuable lessons about generosity, obedience, responsibility, conservation, and redistribution. But the amazing tale of this decidedly meager offering from a small boy in the hands of a really big God, deserves to be appreciated for its triumph over improbability and its indisputable wow factor. Imagine witnessing this amazing miracle, the feeding of thousands of people out in the middle of nowhere with supplies that would fit into the palms of two hands. No matter how many times this scene has been captured on film, I don't think we can fully imagine what the experience was like for those who were there. Imagine the incredible quality of the bread and fish made by God Himself, the texture, aroma, and taste. Surely it was like nothing they'd ever tasted, even though we don't get those kinds of details in God's Word. This sort of miracle is the kind of thing God specializes in. He loves to demonstrate His divine power in the middle of seemingly impossible circumstances. He uses regular people with willing servants' hearts, He even uses murderers such as Moses, Paul, and David, and prostitutes like Rahab, to accomplish his work. He wants the people who are willing to be used by him to sacrifice their resources and time to accomplish his work. I still remember the words of my young son after he spent a year bringing his offering to Sunday school. "'What does Jesus do with my quarters?' he asked." In his mind, a few quarters wouldn't amount to making much of a difference in a world where thousands of people are starving. Yet over time, after participating in our church's school offering program, which I started based on his comment at his school, he came to understand the importance of his giving and cultivated a generous and loving heart as a result of his participation, and this continues even today. Our resources and time offerings might seem like drops in the bucket to us. But giving is like voting. If everyone doesn't participate, the system collapses, and its impact is largely diminished. The quarters from an offering program over time turned into thousands of dollars at my son's school. And what a boy's mom allotted for a single lunch, he surrendered to Jesus. That lunch ended up feeding over 5,000 people. Afterwards, 12 baskets of bread and fish were left over. What are you holding on to that might seem like a meager offering That God could use for His glory. Are you gripping too tightly to your schedule, your earnings, or your possessions? What stands between miracles God is poised to do in you and your willingness to sacrifice can sometimes make a difference, a significant difference, to His kingdom work outcome and in your life. Join me in partnering with God to bring about all that He desires to accomplish through us. And the keys to kingdom living are... Partner with God in joy and humility as you give, thanking Him in advance for how He will multiply your offering. And the doorpost is, He took the seven loaves and five fish, and He gave thanks, broke them, and kept on giving them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were filled. Matthew 15, 36-37 Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion Trilogy is now available on Amazon.